Good morning. Uh, a quick survey. How many got at least three hours of sleep last night if you're under the age of 20? That's all I care about. Because all your parents got more than that. So, great. Uh, I, I was a little worried a little while ago because I saw a dad with a pillow. And no speaker ever wants to look out at the audience and see them already bringing a pillow. Because that's a bad, you know, nobody's that good. I have a really cool job here at Indiana Wesleyan. We are a Christ-centered university, and one of the ways we live that out is by deliberately turning our focus to him three days a week. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10.05, we have something we call chapel, and it's a chance for us to focus on the Lord and grow in him and learn from him and make commitments to him, and I get to be in charge of that. My job title is Dean of the Chapel, but I'm a lifetime pastor of a local church, and I approach this as saying, how can we do this together in a way that God can touch us. Now, as part of Admitted Student Weekends, I've been asked to lead this worship service. And when I got this assignment, I immediately began asking myself, what do I talk about? What do I talk about? And we began to think about the various things that, that you know, 18-year-olds getting ready to be done with high school, getting ready to go to college might need to know. And then someone made the observation, next Sunday's Easter. Well, everybody knows what Easter's about. It's about the resurrection and, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So that means if next Sunday is Easter, today is what? Palm Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I'm guessing lots of us have been in church for a lot of our lives. And, and we know that Palm Sunday is about this big parade of Jesus coming in Jerusalem and people shouting out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you've been in church long enough that you know that and... I'm going to cut you a break on the first four or five years because you might don't remember much from that time in Sunday school. But you've been around long enough now that when it's Palm Sunday and the pastor says, let's turn to, let's turn to Luke 11 or John 12, uh, your eyes kind of glaze over. And I want you to know that I'm aware of that. How many of you have seen this movie before? Charlie Brown's teacher, anytime Charlie Brown's teacher starts talking, you don't hear the words. All you hear is what, 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 You know, they do that with a trombone, by the way. Did you know that? I found that out this week, and nobody probably cares about it, but, but I sometimes care about weird things that nobody else cares about. Some of you just glaze over when it comes to the triumphal entry. You said, I've heard it before, I've heard it before, I've heard it before, what's new? So we're going to read the scripture today, but I need some help. We're actually going to act this out, all right? So I need some volunteers. And if you don't volunteer, I'm going to have somebody come out and draft you. But, but the first thing I need, we're going to pick one person in particular. I need a dude. Uh, okay, that, that dude right there. He looks like he could be dude enough. There's a stairway right here. What, what, what's your name? Raston. Raston? Yeah. Great name. Thank you. All right. You look dudish enough. We'll use you. Okay, now I need 15 other people. Men, women, doesn't matter. Just start, come up. I'll take the first 15 that come. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five. You can get here faster than that. I know you didn't get any sleep last night. Jennifer, would you help us? So here's what we're going to do. Come on, one, two. I need three more. 
Here comes two. Here comes three. Excellent. Okay. Um, I'm just checking you out, scoping you out. Uh, the t- you two, you two, you get to be Pharisees, all right? Pharisees are generally bad dudes, but you look, yeah, they're moving away. I'm not being, okay? And so here's where I want you to stand. Eventually, you're going to stand right here, all right? Right right at the edge of the drum set. You'll be here, but not quite yet, all right? All right. And um, who wants to be Jesus? You'll be Jesus, okay? You're Jesus. It, it is, it's not a character test or anything like that. You'll, you'll just, and there's your costume. All right. And dude, I got a special part for you. You're the donkey. Oh, wait, and everybody's going to have a costume. And I've got a special costume for you. Here, I'll hold this while you put your donkey mask on. What do you think? Yay! Woo! So, so here's the deal. Uh, you're going to own the donkey. So you come with me. And you stand right here. And donkey, you, you can get down on your hands and knees if you want to. And when the people come to get the donkey, you got one line. Where are you going with my donkey? All right, you can do that? Okay, or something like that. All right. Where's Jesus? All right, Jesus. Uh, you, you come stand kind of in the middle of the crowd. You all get palm branches? All right? Okay. Jesus is going to send two guys to go get the donkey. It's you too. All right? So you got to go over there, get that donkey, and bring him this way. Not yet. When the time comes. All right? Now, occasionally, I'm going to put a microphone in your face, and um, you're going to have to uh, say whatever it is the crowd is saying, all right, or the person is saying, and so if you don't do it right, I'll ask you to do it again. But you can't really flunk this test. It's not too bad, all right? You guys think we can do this? Do you think they can do it? All right. Oh, by the way, at one point when the crowd shouts out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even though you didn't get to volunteer, you're going to get to be the crowd too. So we're all the crowd. These are just the actors in the crowd. All right. So guys, kind of get in behind Jesus because Jesus is the guy, right? And uh, you don't want to upstage Jesus. All right. There you go. So here it is. Luke chapter 19 says, Jesus went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here, and if anyone asks you why you're untie it, saying the Lord needs it, so dudes, go get the donkey. And what do you say? Where are you going with my donkey? Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Is this my contest? Where are you going with my donkey? You know what? I don't think he would have said it that way. Where are you going with my donkey? Exactly right. Yeah, and, but, but you let him go. And so bring the donkey to Jesus. All right. And now, here's what it says. It says, they said the Lord needs it. So I forgot to have you say that. So the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. There you go. Good. And they threw their cloaks on the colt. So you guys dump your coats on the cloak, uh, colt, donkey. Somebody, and they put Jesus on it. Why don't you turn and face the audience? There, that's good. 
And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. We can do better than that. That's more work than I thought. All right. And when he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And what did they say? Here, it's on the screen. Oh, that's pitiful. That's just pitiful. I mean, this is, a, this is a parade. This is exciting. People are chest bumping and high-fiving. Woo! Kind of thing. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So, donkey, come on the path. Let's hear it now. Blessed. Peace. Okay, and some of the Pharisees. Where are the Pharisees? Pharisees, come here. You can just pause for a moment. Okay. The Pharisees say... Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I think they were more insistent than that. (laughs) On the count of four. One, two, three, four. Teacher, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Good. And, And Jesus says, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. No, no, no. Sometimes our guys are way too creative up in the... Up. Sorry. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And then it says, as Jesus went down the Mount of Olives, he came and looked over Jerusalem, and it says he wept over it. and said, if you, even you, had only known what would bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. And that ends the scripture reading for today. Would you thank our crew? And you cannot keep you cannot keep the donkey ears. I got to give those back to the church. So thanks, guys. Did you wave the palm fronds, by the way? Okay, you can keep those as a souvenir. So now, now you'll go to. to, to to say, what'd you do at Indiana Wesley? And say, we had the lamest scripture reading we've ever been part of. But you did get to see the Rolling Stones just for a moment. I've never done that before, by the way. And so I was a little worried how it would turn out. I'm still not sure. The jury's maybe, maybe out on this. We'll see. What do you do with this? Stories all about Jesus, a setting in motion, the activities, the, the events that will get him to the cross on Friday. He knows what's going on. And as we generally speak about Palm Sunday, you say it's all about Jesus. But you know, when I read scripture, there are a variety of ways you can read it. Some of you, when you'll come, you'll read scripture as an assignment. It'll be in the Old Testament survey class or the New Testament survey class or or something, and you'll have to read a certain amount of scripture, and and you'll just read it because you got to read it and know it and and test it and stuff like that. And that's one way to read scripture. And and, and some of you, you you might read it because it's devotional time, and you're just going to get through your chapter a day or whatever that is because you've been taught you ought to get through a chapter a day, and you'll just read it and you'll read it and skim it and do you ever find yourself reading scripture and halfway through you realize you don't know what you've been reading for the last two minutes (laughs) you ever find yourself in a sermon like that too don't answer that because that'd be discouraging but I will tell you when you read scripture 
the best way to read it is to say, what in the world does this have to do with me? I mean, you read it to say, what does the scripture say and what does it reveal about God? And are there commands to obey and is there, are there principles to apply? But eventually you've got to get to that apply spot and say, how does this connect with my life? Jesus, in this moment, is uh, putting in motion the stuff that will lead to his crucifixion. He's been really popular for a long time. But now the Pharisees are out to get him. And it's like he's going to the guys, in your face, take your best shot at me. I know what's going to happen. And their best shot ends up on a cross. Now we know the story well enough to know that Jesus' best shot ends up on an empty tomb. That's a winner, but they don't know that yet. So this story is about Jesus. But what I want to do is take a few minutes and I want to think about the story and think about three snapshots of moments in the story where we can say, how does this apply to me? What do I need to know about it? What's working for me? And the first is in this moment back here with the donkey when, when these guys go and say, we're gonna, they don't ask for the donkey. They just start taking it. That's what the scripture says. And the guy says, hey, where are you going with my donkey? And they say, the Lord needs it. Now we know nothing about the owner of the donkey. We do not know if he is a follower of Jesus or not. We don't know if this is prearranged. There's no indication in scripture of it. All we know is that there is a donkey that's never been ridden and it belongs to this guy and his two disciples go and get it and start untying it and the guy says, whoa, what's going on here? We can assume he knows about Jesus. Lots of people did. And he's from an area uh, that Jesus did a lot of activity. In fact, not long before this, Jesus had, a guy named Lazarus had died. And he'd been buried. And Jesus shows up and he was a friend of Lazarus. And Lazarus had been in the tomb for three days already. And Jesus says, let's raise Lazarus back to life. And they're going to roll the stone away. And they guys say, by this time he stinks, Lord. He start, his body's starting to rot already. And Jesus says, never mind. And he rolls it away and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes alive and, and comes out. And that story had to go on viral. You know, I mean, just Lazarus is alive. La Jesus did it. And everybody in the region knows what happened. And so there shows up Jesus. And he sends the guys for the donkey. And they go, what are you doing with my donkey? Imagine somebody comes and just hot wires your car, starts to drive off with it. What are you doing with my car? The Lord needs it. And the dude apparently says, okay. That brings me to the first thing I want, to apply to your, want you to apply to your life, and here it is. When God makes his plan clear, Yes is always a good answer. The Lord needs it. And they go, all right. See, God only wants the best for you. So yes is a good answer. When God makes his plan clear, it's always a great answer. Got that one? Here's the second snapshot. Verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the who? King. Now, Rome was in charge of Jerusalem at this, at this point. They ruled that part of the world. They, they had dominated that part of the world. They'd overrun Israel. They, they'd occupied it. Israel, the Israelites didn't like it. The Jews didn't like it. But Rome was in charge. Their king was Caesar. 
And the Jews dreamed of a deliverer, of someone who would lead a rebellion and reestablish the kingdom of Israel. They called that person the Messiah. And that's how these people saw Jesus. He's the Messiah, the king, the one who will lead a rebellion and somehow drive out the Roman Empire and reestablish the kingdom of Israel. Now, Rome was a mighty military power, but Jesus was a mighty miracle worker. And I'm guessing they thought the guy who can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can come in and start doing some miracles and something can happen. The God who parted the Red Sea, the God who called, caused the walls of Jericho to collapse, that God, that God can cause the Roman Empire to collapse as well. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. High five, chest bump. Woo! But that wasn't the plan of God at all. The plan of God was not to deliver Israel from Rome. The plan of God was to deliver us from our sins. And Jesus uses the crowd to put it in motion. Not the events that they thought would end on a throne, but the events that God knew would end on a cross. People didn't know that, but they cheered anyway, and God used them in the moment. And what does that have to do with us? Here's the thought. Stick in your mind. You don't always know the plan behind the plan, but participation with God's plan is always a good idea. You don't always know what's going on. You come to Indiana Wesleyan with a plan. Pretty much it looks like this. I'll come. I'll spend four years. I'll get my degree. I know what my degree is going to be. I will get a job when I'm done, and I'll live happily ever after. Some of you will throw in there, I'll get married or something like that. But you know, it's four years and you're done and you're on your way. And parents, you have a plan for your kids too. It's four years, no more, because you don't want to pay for more than that. And, and, then, and then they'll get a degree and they'll get a job and they won't come home again. And you won't have to pay for them ever again. And that's your plan. And maybe it'll happen that way. You don't want to know this probably. But here's reality. Over the next four years, God will weave his way in and through your life and some of you will have plans that change. Some of you are coming here and you're planning to go into Christian ministry and you'll end up going into business and some of you are planning to go into business and getting rich and God will call you into Christian ministry and I will tell you that's generally not a get rich kind of scheme. But God will work in your life and he will change you little by little by little. He will stretch you. You'll come and you'll have to figure out what your own faith values are. You've grown up in homes that, or churches that have a set of faith values and they're, the faith values are good. And you've assumed them. But they'll be put to the test a little bit and you'll decide, is this what I really believe personally myself? Can I wrap myself into this and spend the rest of my life leaning on it? And that stretching is sometimes kind of an uncomfortable place. But don't shrink from it. God's at work. You don't have everything figured out yet, even if you think you do. God's still at work. I'm a lifetime pastor of a church in Western Illinois, and we had a huge missions program. And we sent, we sent at one point 200 people a, a year on, on uh, overseas missions trips, short-term mission trips. On one of those trips, we had a guy uh, get bit by a malarial mosquito. He was on an anti-malarial, thought he would be okay. Um, 
came home, began to get a headache. What he didn't know is uh, he had kind of gone on the internet and figured out what malaria medicine to use and just called his buddy who was a doctor and said, this is what I need. And he got malaria medicine for South America, not for South Africa. By the time they figured out what was going on with him, malaria was deeply in him. And he ended up dying. And I remember doing his funeral. I remember Dennis was a guy who went to Africa year after year after year. He was passionate about making a difference for the Lord. And I I talked about the hole that was left in the church's ministry because Dennis had given his life for the kingdom. And I asked the question, who will stand in the gap? Who will step up and serve in his place? And and I I had a couple guys come up to me after the service, and they said, John, the answer is yes. What's the question? You, just want you to know, we'll stand in the gap and whatever, whatever you ask us for, we'll say yes. Now you just have to figure out what you're going to ask us to do. You know, that's a pretty good response to God. The answer is yes. What's the question? Yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yes, Lord, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Now what is it that you want me to be? That threatens us a little bit. Because we like to be in control of our own lives. We want to sense what God says, roll it around in our mind a little bit and say, does this seem to make sense? Does this fit with who I am? And what I'm hoping you'll do is just stay involved in the process of praising God and serving him, even though you don't know what the final outcome will be, as God works behind the scenes in your life until he says, this is what I have for you. And that you've already said yes. The answer is yes. What do you want me to be? Now, there is a third snapshot I want to talk about. Jesus is in the middle of the parade. Everybody's shouting and screaming. I mean, this is an adrenaline kind of moment when you're in the middle of everybody saying you're all that. And Jesus comes to the place where he can look over the Kidron Valley and see the walls of Jerusalem. And as he sees the walls of Jerusalem, it says he saw the city and he wept. Everybody's having a party and Jesus is weeping. Everybody's waving palm branches. Jesus is weeping. If it were today, they'd be chest bumping and Jesus is weeping. Some people have chosen to be his enemy, the Pharisees. Some people in Jerusalem aren't paying attention at all. They're just going about business as usual. For some people, it's it's all about another miracle and about the king becoming king. And Jesus sees their need and sees their emptiness and sees what's missing in their lives and knows that the future is difficult and he begins to weep. You're going to have some really good days in the next four years. You're going to make some great friends. You're going to have some great professors that you're going to fall in love with. Some of you maybe will fall in love. You'll feel that's that's a good day, at least if the person you fall in love with falls in love back. That's always helpful. 
I remember my daughter calling home. She, she, she was actually, it was like her third week here. And she says to her mom, I think I've met the man I'm going to marry. Three weeks into her freshman year. Patty says, how does he feel about it? Well, I don't think he knows who I am. <laughs> but, but as it turns out, they become best friends. Which is pretty cool. And Josh keeps saying to Carrie, Ben, you are my best friend. I so admire you. I so respect you. When I get married, I want to marry someone just like you. And she's going, hey, I'm right here. Only he didn't see her that way until he did. And then one day he did. And they got married, and I've got three great-grandchildren because eventually he saw it. And that will happen for some of you, and for some of you it won't. And that's okay, too. Right now, you're high school seniors, and you're at the top of the pecking order of the social system of your schools. And you'll come as freshmen. You won't be. But four years from now, that's the plan, at least. You'll come down the aisle, you'll come out that door, you'll walk across the stage, the president of the university will be standing right here, and he will shake your hand, and he'll congratulate you, and you'll get a diploma, and you'll walk off, and you'll be doing this, cheering, top of the pecking order until you go out in the business world, and you won't be. Be a good day. But you know, not only will you have good days, you'll have some bad days too. Days where you'll be overwhelmed with coursework. Days when you will wake up and realize that that paper that was due, you thought it was due next week. And it's due today. There'll be days that you will be exhausted. In fact, in fact when I ask students, how you doing? You know what the number one answer I get is? I'm tired. I'm t- I mean, that's, that's just the answer. Towards the end of the semester, we have, we have chaplains in every hall. And I say, how, thing, how are things going in your hall? And say, everybody's tired. And it's, you know, the last week of school. And I'm thinking, okay, school's done this semester. They'll come back in January. And they come back in January in about a weekend. I say, how are things going in your, hall, in your hall? And they'll say, everybody's tired. I mean, how can you get tired so fast? Well, you only get three hours of sleep. That's one reason. You'll have to figure out how to deal with that. You'll have to figure out how to deal with changes that God brings your way. You may have to figure out how to deal with a broken heart. Somebody you're in love with has chosen not to be in love with you anymore. There'll be days you're discouraged, really discouraged. And some of you are thinking, boy, he's, he's pumping us up. This is just reality. And here's what I want you to learn, and it's based on this with Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. You can always count on God's passion for you. You can always count on God's passion for you. If you have one of those days when you're ready to give up, God's not ready to give up. He's just not. When you have one of those days that you don't think you can make it another step, his strength is sufficient for you. When you have one of those days that the test scares you, God's there. And if your heart is broken, God's broken for you as well. He just loves you. Moms and dads, you love your kids. But you know what? God loves them more. 
And you have to trust how you have raised them and turn them loose into his hands as they're saying yes. Now what's the question? You can trust him no matter what. That's why it makes sense to keep saying yes. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, Jesus, these were simple words today. Nothing very complex. But you know, we know you're always at work. You're always bringing the best to us. Sometimes we don't recognize it as such, but we're choosing to trust you. I'm thankful for these men and women who've decided to call Indiana Wesleyan their home for the next four years. May they discover a faith that is even more vibrant than what is alive in their lives right now. May you do something in them that causes them to be world-changing, that makes a difference in the world. May they cling to you and to your love no matter what. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pray with me. Father God, we are so grateful that you are enough. And as we go from this place, God, would you be with us? Would you give us the strength that we need to say yes to the changes that you have in store for our lives? And God, may we remember the fact that you are there every step of the way and you are guiding us along this path. And I pray this in your special and precious name. Amen. Now go in the strength that God has given you to say yes to whatever he has for your life. Thank you all for coming, and we'll see you all in the fall.